1: me you love me and how much God loves me.
0: I need you to put down your phone and really listen to me. I need you to be honest about your struggles. I need you to talk to me. Well, uh, Kathy and I, we want to welcome you here to Grace Church, whether maybe you'll be worshiping in the venue, maybe you'll be worshiping in the cafe or the auditorium or somewhere online, even some point in the future. We just want to thank you for joining us here this weekend. Uh, our topic today is communication. Uh, it's communication. The, the, the title is, I Need You to Talk With Me. And what's ironic about this topic is we've had no time to talk this week. <laughs> so like all week long. There's all these pressures in life, literally. We didn't have time to talk about anything, much less this message. So we've, we've put together, we believe got, we've believe we met together.
2: We haven't argued, though.
0: Haven't argued. If you're not talking, you're not arguing. So that's good news. Uh, but it's so funny because it's, but that's the battle many of us face, though, also. Like the desire to even have a conversation. I, I need you to talk with me. We, you know, this week we were talking to a couple that struggling deeply in their marriage to communicate. Not communicating at all. Parents desperately longing to have their child open up to them. Don't know how to get that to happen. Child feeling frustrated with their parent. Here's one of the questions sent into our text line for this series. A child texted this. What should I do if you're the kid and you feel like your parents don't understand you and twist your words to have opposite meanings? It's a hard one. I need you to listen to me to be heard. You know, even sitting with a family this week who, struggling to communicate at the most difficult time of life as one of their loved ones is dying, in the process of dying. And so this is an incredibly important topic. Even coworkers sharing in people in the workforce unwilling to have a conversation they need to have so they let bad situation, bad vibe, frustration go on because they won't talk with somebody. It's a really important topic.
2: It is, and we know that some of you might be sitting here saying, I want to talk. There are people I want to talk to, and they don't want to talk to me. So what do I, what do, I do with that, of, of this one-sided, they, they won't talk to me? Or even worse, and this hurts my heart so much, that you want to talk to a person, and they don't seem to talk to you, but you watch them talk to everyone else or other people, and that it's just, um, it's just a, a hurt.
0: Yeah, we're going to be in two places. First of all, John 11, look at Jesus, John chapter 11, then Deuteronomy 6 for our three points. Our ushers have Bibles, pens, message notes. If you want to raise your hand, they'll get those to you. A great way, though, is go online, go paperless, go visit gracechurch.com live, or use the Grace Church app. If you are taking notes, Kathy's going to ha- reset our first two sentences, our first two foundational thoughts for this series.
2: So the first one is how Jesus calls every follower to make disciples of Jesus. Jesus calls every follower to be a disciple and make disciple of him. We should all be doing this. We should all be making disciples. And then we realize the next statement could be hard for you to hear. But the goal is that parenting is about kids becoming disciples of Jesus. Parenting is about kids becoming disciples of Jesus. So you might be sitting here going, I've... I've taught my kids the word. I've tried to live the life of Jesus. I've poured into them. I've prayed for them. I'm still praying for them. And they may not be walking with with the Lord right now. And so it's defeating. You, you think to yourself, did I do it wrong? Is it worth it? Should I keep trying? And we just want to encourage you to keep trying, to keep going. Because look at the example God gives us in Genesis. The very first story we read about is God creates the perfect environment. Eden, he walks with Adam and Eve. He tells them all they need to know. He answers their questions. And ultimately it still came up to them and their choice on whether or not they were going to follow um, the Lord. So. The, pr- the principles aren't wrong, the goal isn't wrong, but sin nature comes in and sometimes we try our hardest and, it, and it's still our kid's choice.
0: That's one of our desires this week is to communicate a lot of hope to those who feel frustrated that God loves your child or he loves your disciple you invested in far more than you did. He's still at work in their lives. He can overcome some of our frustrations or regrets or doing everything right. He's still at work in their lives and there is hope in Jesus Christ. All right, if you have questions about this series, uh, about how to make disciples or parenting, make sure you text your questions to 913-274-9670. We we need to receive your questions because on the last week of the series, on May 7th and 8th, we're going to have a panel and answer as many discipleship slash parenting questions as possible. If you want to interact on the subject of communication this week, go online, go to hashtag, post online to hashtag talkwithmegc, hashtag Talk with me, GC, and let's, let's talk about the commu- subject of communication. All right, Kathy, is our key thought for this week on communication.
2: Yes, our key thought is God and Jesus modeled open two-way communication. God and Jesus modeled that open two-way communication. If communication is like a street, then we need to have this two-way street. Not, not a one-way direction, but a two-way back and forth, hearing and being heard. That's the goal, but doesn't always
0: end up that way. Yeah. So we're going to see a fantastic, I think the best verse that communicates someone really feeling heard and thanking somebody that they always know they're heard is Jesus with the Father. Here's a son with a dad. Jesus with his dad. Imagine, by the way, if your spouse said this to you, wow, thank you, I always feel heard. Or a friend says, thank you with you, I always feel heard. Like I, You hear my heart, my emotions, what my meaning is. Here's what Jesus prayed to the Father. At the tomb of Lazarus, Father, John eleven forty one. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Thank you for hearing me. And I know, I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this. I mean, it's like you're in our house. Like that's what my wife says to me all the time, honey, Tim. I thank you that you always hear me. And at that point, I go, What did you say? I mean, sir? It is just, I feel so inadequate in this topic. It's it just is. crazy.
2: So, yes, not a reality. I think sometimes people come up and think that we have some perfect couple or whatever. It's not. We struggle no. with communication, too. No. This is a battle for us. Yep. And honestly, I don't think either of us were super excited to teach it because we both feel pretty inadequate.
0: Yeah, yeah the whole week we're kind of, man, we got to teach and yet we're learning. And so we're all kind of learning together. Deuteronomy 6, though, is one, one of the most important passages in all the Bible. And our K- Grace Kids ministry is doing three points that are the same three points we do. We love we can sync up our worship with our Grace Kids worship. Kathy, what are those three points today from Deuteronomy 6?
2: This, this is the way the preschool is going to learn it. Is It's to listen. Listen.
0: Communicate by listening. Talk. Talk. And ask. Ask. Join us with this so we can teach our preschoolers together one more time. Nice. Do this. Listen, listen. Come on. There
2: you go. Own it. Talk.
0: Talk. Let's own it. Ask. Ask. All right. Those are the three things from Deuteronomy 6 God talked about. You see, listen, talk, ask right in the text. Let's get better at all three. Bring your A game, your best game to listen to God. Let's bring God into the conversation now. Let's ask Him to help us. Father, we do ask you to help us. Um, we, we pray we want to get to the point that we create environments where we've, we listen so much better. We listen like you listen. That we talk and open up and share our hearts so much better, like Jesus, you opened up to the Father, and that we ask questions of others. Instead of just making statements to others. Help us to grow in communication in ways that make us more like Christ, that honor you, that help us grow closer to you and others all around us. To make disciples. And if we have children at home, to make them disciples as well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so the first one is listen. six, And so that's uh, Kathy's point.
2: To help a disciple or a child talk with you, Create a safe environment to be heard. So to help them talk with you, create a safe environment to be heard. If communication is that two-way street that, we talked, that I just mentioned earlier, then we need to say there's a sign out there saying this is a safe zone. And you know that you never want to talk if you don't think you're going to have a safe environment. If someone's going to jump on you, if someone's going to interrupt you, if they're going to not listen to what you say, you don't even really want to open up. So we could talk through the rest of the message, but if we don't get this right, if we don't make it safe to talk, then our kids, our disciples, they just, they aren't going to talk. How do you do that? Well, maybe you have to slow down a little bit, maybe you have to count. Um, I'm a human biology major many, many years ago when I was in college, and this really fascinated me, that when you get into an emotional conversation, your emotions really get involved, that your brain really changes and it no longer can process analytical, logical thought. You get into that fight or flight kind of mode that people talk about and, and you really can't have a conversation if you don't feel safe. So it is even biologically important too. And
0: so Kathy, really, we were talking about this passage, and she said God had laid Deuteronomy 6 for the kids. We were talking for the adults. What was the reason that you like this chapter for communication? It's
2: one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, a lot of because of the setup, the context of the story. So Deuteronomy 6 is at the end of 40 years. The Israelites have wandered in the wilderness because their parents made a decision after seeing all the miracles to not believe God and go into the promised land. So they had to wander in the wilderness. And now this next generation is at the exact same point God kind of asked them the same question, will you believe me and and go into the promised land? And they have the chance now, their kids, to make a whole new story, to make a different legacy than what they experienced. And the words that God says in Deuteronomy 6 is, listen, listen to me, listen to God, and and talk.
0: And So. so we're going to look at Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 through 6. I want you to point out, notice the word here. The word here in Hebrew is the word shema. This is the start of the Jewish prayer, shema. The Jews would pray every single day, and before they die, that's the first words, it's where you see the great commandment of love. But notice the connection, that if you really hear someone, that's an act of love. If you really hear someone, their words get into your heart. And so notice what it says, Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, hear, Shema, in Hebrew, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Hearing is love, you shall love the Lord your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And if you hear them, their words are in your heart. And these words, talking about God's commandments, which I command you today, shall be in your heart. And so there's an incredible moment of hearing is an act of love. It's letting the Word of God get into your heart. or Others' words get in your heart. It's all about creating safety. Kathy's totally right. People don't open up if they feel unsafe around you. And this is something I, I don't naturally do. I have to work really hard at it because I do things instinctually which destroy safety. Blow safety up. Like, and we give you some cross-references, by the way. If you want to get better at listening, talking, and asking, look up these cross-references, write them down, and memorize them. These shape the way we communicate together and to others. In fact, interruptions. That's what I do. It's not helpful. Doesn't make people safe. Proverbs eighteen thirteen says, don't interrupt people. Anger, when I flash anger, Proverbs 21 says it's going to make people want to run and not talk, even leave the house and not talk. That destroys safety. James 1.19 says, man, we got to listen before we talk. Let every person be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. This is something that I I actually, uh, when I blow it, and I do on a regular basis... I try to end the conversation, apologize right then, like interrupt, okay, oh, I'm sorry, I just interrupted you, would you please keep going, or if I flash anger, I'm so sorry, I, not helpful, shouldn't have done it, can you, I, I apologize to you, or if I, even later, I circle back, you know what, I, I interrupted you, I flashed anger to you, I'm certain you don't feel very safe, I'm so sorry, I interacted totally inappropriately, not, I'm so sorry, it's, it's such an important area.
2: Yeah, so a safe environment for me is where I know someone is going to keep my confidence. If I tell them something, it's not going to go somewhere else. And that I know that they, I have their attention when I'm talking. So maybe you think about what is your safe environment and are you providing that in conversations?
0: So here's the question to ask. Are people around you opening up to you? Like, do you think people think you're safe? You're struggling. You wish somebody would talk to you. Man, I wish they would talk to me. Man, I get so angry they're not talking to me. (laughs) Well, that's why they're not talking to you. You are totally unsafe to talk to. And so you might go back and just really think, man, am I creating kind of safe environment that people really feel open up, that I'm not going to overreact, I'll receive with grace, I'll listen. And you may have to have a conversation and apologize and say, I want to start a new phase of safe listening. Creating a safe environment is vital to listening. All right, that was Listen. The next part in Deuteronomy 6 is talk. talk. Okay, so let's talk about talk.
2: To help a disciple or child talk with you, initiate conversation when you're together. So it's so important that you're initiating that conversation with your disciple or with your kids. If conversation and communication is a two-way street like we're talking about, then this is like an on-ramp, an on-ramp to communication. And an on-ramp for Jacob is different than an on-ramp for Karina or our different people in our grace group that we have to use different methods, different tools. The thing that's worked the best for my son and I is when it's dark out and we take a walk, and we might take a walk to Quick Trip, something about walking together and in the dark, its just great on-ramp for great conversation. And sometimes you have to talk a lot about nothing to get to the, the meaty, great subjects. And There's just a... Uh, there is a quantity of time to get to the quality of what you want to get to, too.
0: And you see, by the way, four on-ramps for communication, certainly in the household, right here in Deuteronomy 6, verse 7. Look in Deuteronomy 6, verse 7. Four on-ramps, four limited opportunities to actually talk. It says, you shall teach them, talking about the commandments. We're supposed to teach the commandments to our disciples or our kids diligently to your children and shall talk. There's the word talk. Talk of them when, four on-ramps, when you sit in your house... Okay, so you're at home, that's a chance, an on-ramp for talk. When you walk by the way, that's when you're walking, you're running, or you're in the car. When you lie down, that's bedtime, another on-ramp. And when you rise up, that's morning, a fourth on-ramp. I know for my kids... Jacob, uh, one of the best on-ramps for Jacob and I to talk is when we run together. We're running together. He just opens up on the run, and we just talk about life. And my daughter, when we're driving, she just opens up when we're driving. Now, not when she's driving, because I'm doing a lot of talk to God. Dear God, dear God. But uh, when, when, when I'm driving, she's a good driver. She's a good driver. But that's just such a true statement early on. And, uh, and also, by the way, I, I use, I mean, kids are buried in their phone. They can literally send hundreds of texts a day. If, if you're not aware of that, they're doing that. Texting your kids during the day, I, I set reminders for myself from time to time. Have I sent texts to my wife and my kids when they're at school? And I send texts like, hey, I'm praying for you because I'm praying for them at that point. I send texts like, I'm praying for this for you. This verse was laid in my heart. This God spoke to me about, these little texts. I believe in you. I'm proud of this area of growth in your life. Like I send these little moments uh, throughout the week, and I set reminders in case it's been too long, because I want to, that's another on-ramp for communication for our kids.
2: Yeah, this Deuteronomy 6, <laughs> verse 7, that, if I could have a one-verse Bible of parenting, personally, that's, that's my verse. I grew up in a church where we did Jesus when we were at church, and maybe we prayed at mealtime, and he was very much in a box. And this verse taught me that I should be talking about Jesus in all areas of my life at all times of my life. And there's a a lady that has taught me a lot about these intentional conversations. Her name is Carrie Pullman. She has a high school student and a middle school student, and just uh, her life and the way that she has uh, taught her kids and talked with her kids is inspiring, so take a look.
1: Some of the spiritual conversations happen in the car for us um, with both my kids, so Asking them to not be on their cell phones in the front seat when I'm trying to have a conversation with them typically will lead and eventually be to uh, the spirit of what God is doing in their life. Um, Not so much just, you know, God says not, not to use your cell phone. It's more of so yesterday I had a conversation with Paige on the way home about um, college. Have you thought about, are you going to go to a Christian college? Do you want to um, do anything further with doing something in the ministry? So that led to, because I had asked her to, to not be on her cell phone. So that was kind of how that conversation went. Cause she asked me a couple weeks ago, how come you do ask me not to be on it? Cause a lot of times it's quiet in the car. You know, if you're in the car for 45 minutes, it's, you know, I'm not going to talk every moment of it. So she said, you know, why, why have you been doing that the last few weeks more so? And I said, it made, it made me go back to that, that, you know, we, we need to have conversations with our kids. They're going to be gone.
2: What intentionality that. It's okay to say, put your phone down and screen down and look at the great conversations that she could have in the car. Very convicting to me because there are multiple times that I'm texting and suddenly I have my two-year-old Mallon in my face. Mommy, mommy, mommy. I'm like, hold on, hold That's on, hold, cute, on hold on,
0: hold so like, on. grabs your ears. Gets her nose to your nose.
2: Very cute, but super convicting, too, yeah. of what am I doing? Why am I spending all my time on the phone? I'm just as guilty as kids are. And when I need to talk to my kids as well, put the phone down and have those intentional conversations.
0: The cross-references we gave you for this. If you want to get better at talking, at engaging conversations, Colossians chapter 4 talks about the need to pray for an open door and pursue those limited opportunities, because they are limited. Isaiah 1 says you need to personally invite people into conversation. And Colossians 4, 6 says, when you talk, make sure there's plenty of grace and a little truth, a little salt in there. Not lots of salt, lots of truth with only a little grace. That's kind of the ratio.
2: And then this really is close to my heart and I felt a burden as we were praying for the message this week of, there's some of you sitting and listening going, I want to talk. I am trying to talk to this person. I am trying every on-ramp there is, and they're shutting me down and shutting me down and not engaging. And if I keep trying, I'm going to build an even bigger wall. So how am I supposed to talk to a person I really want to talk to? And I just encourage you on my heart is that talk to God instead. Pray to Him every time you want to have that conversation with the person. Go ahead and talk to God and say, help open the door. Help soften their heart and, and pray for that conversation to happen. And then in the meantime, even if you can't use your words, there are so many ways to have nonverbal communication, to just be available, to do the love language that that person receives and and to continue to pray.
0: So as you read through this great chapter on communication to God and others, there's listen to him, shema, listen to him, listen to others, that's love. Then there's talk. Don't give the silent treatment, engage that, use these moments. And then there's a third one, which is asking. And so Kath, take it away.
2: So to help a disciple or a child talk with you, encourage questions and lead with questions. Really two parts to this point. There's the encouraging questions and leading with questions. Encouraging questions would be just almost going back to that first point of creating the safe environment. Can your disciple or can your child ask you anything? If they're in a crisis of belief, if they're wondering if they believe the Bible or believe in God, Will you be a, a safe place, a place that they can ask that question without you flipping out? It's a question.
0: And sometimes I flip out. <laughs> and so, and so.
2: Sometimes internally I flip out and go, hmm,
0: yes. Yeah, I know, I know, I it's know. It's, she's totally right, it's managing response. There's a great passage in Deuteronomy 6, verse 20 now. You see your child ask a question about life, about God, about the Bible. And by the way... I've never had our kids ask a question quite like this. This is a weird question, a weird kid. But let's, let's look at it because our kids don't ask like this. When your son asks you, there's the word ask, in time to come saying, Father, what is the meaning of the testimonies, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord our God has commanded you? Now, to be honest... My kids never ask a question like that. In fact, if our kids ask a question like that, we're like, where'd you learn the word statute? You're like, (laughs) that's kind of weird. But here's the thing. It's totally true. Our kids ask this question. They ask, why do we do that? But they ask it in different ways. you got to watch that. It's like an on-ramp for questions. You know how your kid asks you this question? When they get frustrated with you. you got to do something. Now they're they're showing frustration. You know what they're doing? They're asking you. What is the meaning of this commandment that we're following God? That's the way they ask. You know how they ask you? When they say, why do we have to do that? I don't understand why we have to do that. They're a- it's the same question. What is the meaning of the testimonies, the statutes? When they say, what's this mean? What's this all about? They're asking the same question. Or when they're starting to parrot other people's thoughts or society's thoughts that are just not true and they're confused about God's word, that's when they're asking the very same question. And God calls us to be there and to see their frustration or questioning as a tremendous opportunity to encourage questions. Verse 21, here's how we answer. Then you shall say to your son, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And if you continue reading this answer, the person who answers, this parent or disciple says, let me tell you two things. This is the story of what God's done, and this is what the Bible says. That's what your disciples need. Our grace group needs. This is the story of what God's done in our life. And this is what the Bible says. Your kids need. This is the story of what God's done in our life. And this is what the Bible says. And if you don't know what the Bible says, that's totally fine. you got to find out. 1 Peter 3.15, or the cross reference we gave you, says you got to go research and find out. It's okay not to know, but it's not okay to stay not knowing. That three. there's a powerful statement. It's okay to make to your kids. Repeat it. Just say it. I don't know. But I'll find out. I don't know, but I'll find out. In fact, that's so powerful. Say it to your neighbor right now one, two, three. I don't know, but I'll find out. And you got to go research and find out. It's okay to not to know. All right, that's encouraging questions from them to us. Now let's talk about how to lead them with questions.
2: Right, so it would be easy to say, How's your day? And then any of you who've done that with your kids, especially as they get older, you get a guaranteed one word answer. Fine. Right. So how do we ask those leading questions that won't let them answer with one word? What was your high of the day? What was your low of the day? Tell me one thing about your day to lead with questions rather than with statements. Again, I've learned from Carrie and she has something to say. Listen to all of the questions that she thinks about and then ask her son.
1: electronic devices, whether it's a cell phone or an iPad. Um, it's one of those where it creates that time where you're kind of in your own world and then you realize that the rest of the world is, you know, it's going on and you've sat there for an hour. Um, how much time are you spending with God? How much time are you, you know, spending with your family? Um, are you being active? I mean, it's all those things that I think that we get away from, um, I don't know how much the freedom part comes into it, but more so we're, we're not doing the time with God that we need to do. My son will let the day go by and then I'll have to say, so have you spent any time with God or do you want to pray with me? And he hasn't done any of that. So, and that's because the device is calling his name and he keeps he keeps in his own world that way. So I guess it's more the freedom of being with God. You know, you don't think about it because you're absorbed with everything that's electronic that's going on in your world.
2: So she could have led with statements saying, you've been on your phone all day. I've been watching you. You need to put it down and you need to do this. But she asked, have you spent time with God? Would you like to pray with me? Asking those questions and said, create a whole different safe environment and atmosphere too.
0: And this is something I think, at least at least my self-awareness is, that I've intentionally tried to grow in over the years and gotten better at, which is <clears throat> it's much easier to lead with statements than questions. That great leaders, watch great leaders. The ratio of their questions to statements changes. They ask great leaders, whether you're a leader in the home, you're a leader in the club, you're in the workplace, they lead with questions rather than than statements. A great example, by the way, there's the greatest leader in history who is God Almighty, who had this perfect environment, the greatest dad ever, which gives all of us hope because he did everything right and the kids went haywire, Adam and Eve. When he found out that they went haywire, he didn't lead with statements. If he led with statements, he'd say this, I see you over there with the fig leaves. I saw you talk to Satan. I saw you eat that stuff. Get out of here. You're You're so stupid. All right, that's leading with statements. Here's leading with questions. Listen to how God himself led with questions. How you doing? Where are you? How are you doing these days? Question. Question. Who have you been talking to? Or where did you get that thought? I hear you saying that. Where did you hear that statement? Where are those words? Questions. Have you done this activity, the one activity you said not to do? Is that what's happened? Questions. Tell me what's going on. Just tell me the story of what happened. God himself, the greatest leader of the model history, leads people with questions, not statements. In fact, that's what Proverbs 20, verse 5 says. Proverbs 25 says, people are like wells. We're like a wellspring of water. But wise people will go figure out how to dip into the well and draw out the wisdom in them. Draw out their thoughts. That's what wise people do. You do that. You draw them out with safe questions. And communication is all about those three things. It's about listening to God, Shema, listen to God and others. It's about talking, not the silent treatment, not buried in your phone, not, but you're using those limited opportunities, finding the ways that they would open up and having conversations and asking, both allowing questions that you'll find out answers to, both uh, uh, leading others more with questions and statements. So let me ask you three questions, but I want you to listen to my voice and then listen to, right after that, the Holy Spirit. The thoughts that come in your head right after I ask these questions could very well be the Holy Spirit's prompting. Let me ask you, and just listen to God. So in the area of listening, here's my question for you. Are you a person actively creating safe environments around you? Are you a person... Who is actively creating safe environments around you for people to open up and listen to God? And if not, what does God Himself want you to do to start rebuilding safety, to listen? All right, let me ask about talking, the second part of Deuteronomy 6. Are you leveraging the limited opportunities you have with people to talk? Are you leveraging the limited opportunities you have with people to talk? And what does God, God Himself, want you to do about that? That's about asking. Do you lead or influence others more with your statements or your questions? Do you lead with statements or questions? And as it relates to God now. You know, whole Shema Israel, hear Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, hear His commandments. It begins with this relationship with God. It's all about listening to Him. Are you listening to God? Are you talking with Him, engaging Him? Not giving the silent treatment, but engaging Him in prayer and conversation throughout your day. Are you asking Him questions? And allowing Him to ask your soul questions as well. That's how you get better also at relating to others. Let's pray. Father, we do come to you and we pray that you could have your way in our hearts and lives. We pray that we would grow more like Jesus in the area of communicating. We pray we'd more grow more like the Father. And how Father, you listen to your son. Jesus, you always heard him, you always heard exactly what, he, you heard his heart, you allowed him to say difficult things with a completely safe environment. God, we pray, we, we want to grow more like you, in the fact that you discovered your disciples going haywire, that you didn't lead with statements, though you could have, you led with questions to help them open up. God, help us by your Holy Spirit to get better, to grow more like Jesus. And Lord, if you've been calling, you tell us to hear you. Hear, O Israel. Hear, people, that the Lord is God. If there's people in whatever context right now, they have never given their life to Jesus, may they hear you and receive Jesus as their Savior right now. God, I pray people would call out to you and place their faith in Jesus. They'd surrender control to Jesus. They'd give their life to Jesus and say, I am yours from this point forward. I believe in the death and resurrection of Christ. I accept Jesus as the payment for my sins. I give you control of my life. Lead me. I will listen to you. I will hear you from this point forward. May people give their life right now to Jesus who died for us and rose again.